Welcome to Found in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures one chapter at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet from me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah it has. Yeah, or at least us recording one of these. Right. We got to see each other together face-to-face for the first time in like a year. At least. Week. At yeah. least a year. I think it's been longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that was a gift. Yeah. 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 Well, we've got a lot to catch up on in Matthew. Uh, So normally we go through this one chapter at a time. I even have that in the introduction there. But we're going to do Matthew's chapter eight and nine. Doing the one chapter at a time thing has meant we've laid the foundation as each of these words that get repeated, these big shifts that you've made in the translation. They, uh, they're going to keep showing up throughout Matthew's story, and we've gotten to spend a lot of time on those. But this middle section of Matthew, it's going to get up to like a, a good narrative clip here with a lot of little stories and stories that Jesus will tell. Um, so we're going to occasionally click some of these chapters together, and that's what we're going to do today, uh, chapters 8 and 9. Conveniently, these two chapters are, you just pointed this out uh, before we hit the record button, they are overwhelmingly about boundaries around Torah belonging, um, who's in and who's out, uh, and what do we do about those who are kind of in the gray zone or beyond it being shattered by Jesus. I think you you said it's sort of just Jesus enacting a lot of what he just talked about in the um, chapters five through seven. Yeah, I think that's a great way to summarize what these two chapters are is Jesus spent the last three chapters teaching and chapters eight and nine are him living out exactly what he was teaching in the last mm-hmm. three chapters. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't had a chance to read Brandon's translation, we encourage you to read through it. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, and as always, please make sure to check out the footnotes in the link in the show notes as well. Uh, he explains a lot of his thinking in those footnotes. So go ahead and give it a read. Welcome back. Let's get started. So I'm going to just jump 10 verses up in chapter 8 to the word trust. Uh, Jesus heard that and was impressed. He told his followers, I'm telling you, honestly, I haven't found anyone in Israel with as much trust as this, talking about the Roman centurion. Mm-hmm. And usually like faith, like I, there's nobody in Israel I've seen that has as much faith as this guy. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a big shift. And I don't think we've had to hit on this yet, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is and it isn't. I think that's always what's really meant, even when we say faith mm-hmm. um, or what we're supposed to be meaning. Um, like faith, faith is a religious technical term. Right. Yeah. That's one of those terms that I very intentionally have refused to use at any point. Um, Mm -hmm. in my translation work and I'm trying instead to use anything else, honestly, um, to convey (laughs) what is that actually trying to get to underneath it. And trust Mm -hmm. is a, there are a couple that depending on the context, because it leans in a couple of different directions. The word pistis um, is the Greek word there. 
Um, so faith, trust is one of the main ones that I lean mm-hmm. on. Faithfulness being the other of the main two that I lean on. And they're connected. Yeah. Like there's a yeah. reciprocity between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you say a bit more about why faith is one of those words you were like, ah, hell no. Yeah, there's too much involved in the blind faith kind of concept that goes along with with the word, like the assumptions that go with the word faith of like, I just have to obey even if this doesn't make sense. And that translates not just to my relationship with God and Christ and scripture, but those who are claiming to speak on their behalf too. Um, and people abuse, have abused it and abused it and abused it throughout history. And it has become a weapon against people, not it, no longer something that's good and celebrated and a virtue. Um, it's, it's a weapon to be abused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have like having faith can be reduced to, do you believe these abstract ideas? Um, can do, do you, you can... suspend your critical reasoning enough to just uh, assume that I know what I'm talking about? Don't ask questions and do what I say. Yeah. Yeah. It, it becomes, um, submit to the authoritarian, whether the, that authoritarian is the Bible or a religious leader or a denomination or a creed. Like yeah. those are all great things. Love the Bible. We're doing a podcast about it. Religious mm-hmm. leaders. Great. I yeah. professionally work to help support them. Um, like, right. It's all good, but like it can all easily get warped into this authoritarian shit. And, right. and, and if faith you start can to think about a, yeah, think for yourself, then, yeah. Oh, that's a problem. Um, Mm-hmm. Don't don't think, just do, just do what yeah. I say. Yeah, yeah. And which and, is weird, like the way that Jesus teaches is so much of like I'm gonna sort of tell you what I mean, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna do it in a way that forces you to think about it for yourself. Yes, and like really internalize it that way, which is the opposite of what the teachers that I have that that really stress you have to trust by faith. Mm-hmm. You have to live by faith and just do what I say. That's the opposite. He, yeah. Jesus is like, doing the opposite of what they're doing. Yeah, that that changes this passage, doesn't it? Like, it's no longer. It's so easy to just read into it with the word faith as sort of this established for by after two millennia technical term. Like, okay, mm-hmm. the uh, the centurion has some sort of the same kind of faith that we read about in Paul that my pastor or professor says means, yeah, some sort of submission to the authority figure Mm -hmm. or, or a cognitive belief in things or just a, yeah, blind faith, whatever it is, all these like malformations of it. Um, So I've heard people in like Bible study groups say, uh, oh, you know, wow. How did he know that Jesus was God? Right. Oh it's gosh. Like, it's like, yeah. well, I mean, he was, but he didn't. Um <laughs> right. That's not what this is talking yeah. about at all. Yeah, yeah. Not even close. So what uh, can you like walk us through what how this story reads a little different when like the word trust is there instead of mm-hmm. these other kind of straw men we've been uh playing it. Yeah, I mean it's, look at it in context. Weird. Uh that's kind of important. The centurion, or have translated as Roman officer. So, what office is specifically centurion? Uh, yeah, the office of yeah. centaurs. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Of course, as he talks about, you know, I'm under this person, and they do that, and then people are under me, and they do what I say. Like, which 
at first glance starts to look towards that authoritarian piece of like, you just do what I say, but yeah, he's playing the pyramid. Yeah. Um, but it really is about like, even it, even if I don't fully understand how this is going to work, I know you, I know what resources you have. I know your track record and I know that it's going to be better if I just kind of say, I don't fully get it, but I get you and I'm going to trust that and let go of the control that I would otherwise cling to when I don't understand at all what's happening yes. and, and lean into this. So it really is about trusting Jesus specifically of like, I've heard a lot about you. I know who you are. I've heard your track record. I have reason to trust you. And so if you say my attendant is healed, I believe you. Hmm. Um, and, and no need to like prove it to me. Versus the faith round goes like your God questioning you would be a sin. And I don't want to do that. So yeah. I'm just going to like, oh, you said you don't you like, oh, no, like, I don't want you to come to my house. That's scary. Like, there's all these weird things that start coming into play when it gets to how we normally use faith. And like, yes, Jesus is God, but like, it gets weird when we start trying to make it weird, honestly. Like, this is a much more straightforward document mm-hmm. than we try to make it sometimes. We try to go through weird hoops to make it like supernatural and superstitious. Um, and it's just kind of super human, like not superhuman, <laughs> like Superman, but like just really human. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. That's great. Let's let's drop down to verse 12 uh footnote f there's mm-hmm. a but the natural heirs of that oh, reign yeah. will be thrown out into the utter darkness there'll be it's... weeping and grinding teeth and anguish there the word utter is where you've got the um uh-huh the footnote there is usually outer darkness yeah which is also fine like yeah they're both they're both listed in the dictionaries as acceptable translations of the greek word there Mm-hmm. It also brings to mind for me the Hebrew word salmavit, which is a compound of uh, sal is from shadow, and mavit means of death. Mm-hmm. So you get, mm-hmm. so you get like in King James the shadow of death, uh, like though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Is Psalm twenty three in a lot of, in the way that a lot of people have memorized it is the King James, yeah, and it really has this sense of death like i like to translate it as instead of shadow of death like deathly dark it's like Hmm. this it's so dark that it almost has like a tangible quality to it it's like blanketed in dark it's heavy it's oppressive fearful and i think there's a connection with like deuteronomy 23 there's so many connections with deuteronomy and torah in general in matthew and he is turning these expectations upside down. So whereas 23 is about people who would have been uh, ritually impure and therefore excluded from worshiping yeah. God in the temple mm-hmm. and also being excluded even from living within the camp, uh, as we're thinking, you know, like 
Israel is in in Deuteronomy, Israel's still in the wilderness traveling after leaving Egypt before they've come to the promised land. The entire nation of of like 2 million people or something um, has been traveling for 40 years. Um, Or by the end of it, it was 40 years. I'm not sure exactly the timeline at this point, but not only are they excluded from worshiping at the tabernacle at this point and eventually from in the temple by Jesus day, they're, they're not even allowed to live in the camp. They have to live outside of the community in isolation with maybe other people who have been excluded, making them more vulnerable to wild animals, to bandits, to whatever threats leprosy are, are more like yeah being that's where the lep- people with leprosy would have been also sent so they're quarantining all these people together whether they have the same impurity or not so they're being excluded from all that time and Wait, what's this got to do with outer darkness <laughs> i think that's what it's talking about what this place outside the camp outside like at night uh, it's dark here you're not around all the, the fires that people have going for cooking their dinners and and sharing their evenings together you're outside the camp in the dark place interesting you've been excluded from the community to protect the community mm-hmm. but you're still being excluded and it may have nothing to do with your own fault it could be a sickness that you did nothing to earn nothing or, to get or you're like menstruating like yeah yeah. which brings it to a whole other level so there's a whole 51 percent of the population Mm -hmm. uh has to spend two weeks of every month that's half the time in the outer darkness uh because it's the entire time you're menstruating and then a week after you've you've finished jeez Man, it make that just as an aside here, that makes me wonder like how much of a for however zealously they were actually following that. Uh that seems like a scenario where a population would be get get together and eventually there would be these murmurs of, ain't this a bit of some bullshit? Yeah, I think they figured out ways around some of that stuff. Like mm-hmm. women didn't spend didn't actually end up spending two weeks camping outside of the main camp like because that's ridiculous like it's not possible it becomes impractical very quickly yeah um but they but it clearly created hardships yeah if if you're curious about any of this dear listener i recommend rachel held evans book the year of living or a year of biblical womanhood um where she takes month by month different commands aimed specifically at women in the Bible and does them, including in this case, camping outside during her menstruation. She sets up a tent in her yard, yeah. doesn't she? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that does change this, this yeah. passage. Like it's just, it's, this isn't like, you know, Hey, these guys, they're going to be cast into friggin' hell. Like that's no. like at utter no, or no, no, outer no, no. darkness. Like I guess apart from how you're translating it here, like utter and outer doesn't to me it doesn't change a ton yeah it doesn't clarify much but like just our conversation here is making me go oh wait we should always assume if there's a plausible image or practice 
uh, or rhythm in the life of this people or the memory of these people or the stories of these people Mm -hmm. that a certain phrase is going to at least kind of tickle their ears about. Yeah. We should go with that rather than what tickles our ears, which is Dante. Right. Yeah. An Italian poet writing an epic poem. Yeah. How, how long after Jesus, after, after this was written after Jesus it was like four, 1300, 1400 years. Uh, um, yeah. But our imaginations for what the afterlife is like is formed largely by him, not by scripture very much. Hmm. Um, but yeah. And I, and I can see how people connect it with, what the the afterlife if it has you know even i'm connecting it with the zalmovit shadow of death um but it's not about what life is like after you die it's about things that are deathly deadly like spending time outside the camp is risky oh yeah it's scary it's threatening because there are wild animals and roving bandits and like i said you're not within the safety of the camp and the community and interestingly, many of those folks, those populations that are are in the outer darkness, far from the warmth of the pillar of fire, right? Mm-hmm. They're excluded ultimately to be reintegrated. It's not a, and now you're stuck in hell forever, you dick. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and this wasn't something these people earned. It's because they have medical conditions, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the medical ward and stuff yeah they're in, under quarantine which we, our society has become more familiar with mm-hmm. so next up on this list is uh let's see verse 16 and 17 you've got some reflections here about how interoperable if, if i'm reading you correctly here and understanding understanding your notes how interoperable uh demon language is from Uh from like just ailments yeah like matthew seems to kind of fluidly flop back and forth between them yeah it does and it's interesting mark leans more heavily on the demon language and Luke leans more heaven heavily on the illness language. Oh yeah. And there being, are parallel doctor, passages yeah. where they're saying this, relating the same stories, but Mark will use demon language. Luke will use illness language and Matthew kind of goes back and forth. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like a Pentecostal and a mainliner, like t- telling the mm-hmm. same story, but they're just going to explain it differently. Yeah. It's the same phenomenon. It's the same event yeah. with different ways of talking about it. Oh, man. So how did you split the difference here in Matthew? Uh, mostly just going by what language is used. What language is used? In, in the Greek, yeah. Um, I'm not trying to like force it to lean one way or the yeah, other yeah um yeah you're not ironing out like demon language or like yeah ironing so, out naturalist explanations yeah yeah what i am doing is trying to make sure that it's saying what it's actually saying and not leaning more heavily into a particular language because of tradition since this was written yeah yeah that seems um, to be a pretty strong commitment of yours 
Yeah. So I did haunted by demons, which is a, isn't literally what it says either. It's demonized is would be the most literal translation of the word there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of translations do possessed by demons, which there's so much that goes into demon possession that like, no, 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 don't think about any of that stuff. That's not <laughs> biblical, honestly, has nothing to do with scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, as good as The Conjuring is, and it's a great movie. It's not what we're <laughs> right. About we're not talking about The Exorcist. We're not going to yeah. conjure. We're, yeah. Um, so, Haunted by Demons really seems to be experiencing a lot of suffering that comes mm-hmm. from something mm-hmm. that's difficult to explain. And so, the explanation by some is there's some being that's tormenting you. By others, it's there's something going on in your body that's causing suffering both may be true in a sense but it's not because some consciousness has hijacked your consciousness and put you in the back seat and forcing you to do things that's nowhere in the bible is that in view Mm -hmm. all right next one uh verse 20 of chapter 8 uh, with footnote J. This is a fun one because you and I disagree a little bit on what to do with us. Yeah. So the normal translation, it is fun for that reason. The normal translation is the son of man. This is one of those phrases that's used over and over and over. It's Jesus's preferred f- title really for himself or a preferred. It, it's, you know, it's not as much a title as it is a title title works. Yeah, you know, it's it's sufficient, but to me it like it misses out like king as a title, but son of son of man mm-hmm. is it's a literary it's a literary idiom or figure from from their sacred literature, namely uh Daniel and Ezekiel, right? Yeah. It might even show up other places in the prophets too, but those are the primary two. And he, yeah, and yeah. he's um, taking that the mantle of these personalities, these characters that are, you know, admittedly quite generic. Like it's not like putting on like the mantle of calling himself the ring bearer <laughs> or Frodo. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be more like ring bearer than Frodo. Yeah, Ezekiel uses it a lot, like Jesus uses it, just to mean me. Like I'm going to be referring to myself in the fir- third person, the son of man is their traditional mm-hmm. just means me and i'm sick of talking about myself maybe i don't know it, you know I'm not exactly I'm, sure the motivation but i'm the dude man right. so that's what you call me yeah right uh- <laughs> yeah daniel has a little bit more of a specific kind of ideas connected with the phrase um mm-hmm. but ezekiel it's kind of just a, in place of i oh Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you've got this footnote here in, uh, was it footnote J? Mm-hmm. Summarizing in Daniel 13 there, uh, I was watching the night visions and with the clouds of the sky, one like a son of man was approaching. He went up to the ancient of days and was escorted before him. To him was given ruling authority, honor and sovereignty. All peoples, nations and language groups were serving him. His authority is eternal and will not pass away. His kingdom will not be destroyed. And this is, in particularly, this is the moment after which uh, a sequence of 
monsters of beasts are oppressing violently um, God's people. And, uh-huh. and, and the son of man dies. Doesn't he? Is that, I believe that's what <laughs> we might edit. I mean, this. maybe I, I don't actually, I mean, that, like that's the, not I mean, what stands out to me, but it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he is vindicated after their oppression. So there's the inference like, Hmm, what's he doing? Ascending to the ancients of days. Yeah. Yeah, so you can see how this is there's so much language here of what Jesus like how this is a title for Jesus because that's is a reasonable template for what his life and ministry was about. Mm-hmm. Suffice to say there's actually like this this is getting into I think what I've said in in some earlier episodes like this is the it's not the Marvel cinematic universe it's the biblical like literary universe like there is this like okay. yeah. bigger world of references and allusions and yeah. and um, winks and yeah. nods. And this is happening here. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is something that people would have understood at the time without having to have to read a bunch of scholarly texts um, yeah. to get a sense of what the hell he's talking about. But so, yeah, Son of Man doesn't really capture it quite right. You chose Son of Humanity. Right. Well, What's up? And, and one, like, man, it's not about males. No, it's not about the Y chromosome. Uh, the, I mean, the word there is anthropos, which is the Greek word for, like, human um, or person. Mm-hmm. Um, every once in a while, it gets used to specify a male. Um, as opposed to a female, there's a little bit of overlap between on, um, on there is the mm-hmm. word that's literally about man, a man versus a woman. Similar to how in English, um, unfortunately, yeah. mankind often means both male right. kind and female kind and other kind. Which yeah. for better or for worse used to just be universally used that way. And that's fine, I guess, you know, depending on how you're impacted <laughs> by that. Yeah, um, apart from my judgment of it, it is how they worked. So right, it's, yeah. languages are languages, and neither and neither good nor bad. They are languages. Um, but when people decide, start talking about, hey, oh, by the way, this is impacting me negatively. Maybe it's time to start changing some of that. Um, yeah. So why did you choose humanity? So humanity is literally what it means. It's human, like yeah, okay, the son of, or son of. A human could work too, but that's a little weird. It's not really talking about a particular human. Um, yeah. Which human? Whom? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's really, it's not just when Jesus uses it, but anytime it gets used, there's times in, in the Pauline epistles where there are the sons of men, like in Greek, huios anthropon, um, just me- it really means people, means humans. Yeah. Um, so another way to translate this would just be the human. Um, the truly human one? Could be. Yeah, th- I think that would be a great way to translate it. And maybe I should translate it that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so if you're listening to this, you know, you'll, you'll see this version and what's available, but maybe at some point in another, another draft will have the truly human one. Cause, cause that's really what it is. It's like, 
It's me. not talking about, it's, it has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with being a person, being human. Um, the quintessential That's what the human. word means anyway. Yeah. 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 That's what the phrase literally means. Like we said, it's use in Daniel and Ezekiel. Push it a little bit beyond that. Has a little bit more particularity to that than mm-hmm. that. But yeah. But because the son of man represents Israel before the divine and Israel represents humanity before the divine in the, in the Israeli imagination, like Israel, Israel is the Adam community uh, and the, their right. king is the Adam figure. Jesus is the, this is kind of getting into a trippy space of the way all these different um, yeah. literary figures kind of roll yeah. together. There's an interesting progression of like, Adam was meant to be the image, the representation of what God is like to the rest of creation. Oh no, it didn't work out. So yeah. now it's Noah, you know, mm-hmm. generations later. Oh no, it didn't work out. So now it's Abraham. Like, eh, that kind of worked out. What about Israel? Like Jacob? Like, uh, okay. Um, okay, Jesus, finally. <laughs> because of Jesus, like yeah. somebody's got to be the one who is representing what God is like to all of creation well yeah who reflects god to creation and creation and in this case most emphatically reflects creation maybe advocates yeah maybe advocates for creation to the creator yeah which which moses did also um there's connections in all direct all sorts of directions yeah well and this is all well and his brother like this is all a very fundamentally priestly function which brings you to psalm 110 uh, that a priest in the order of Melchizedek, which will show up later in Matthew, that Jesus is clearly identified as that. So many connections. That pushes us up into chapter nine. Chapter nine opens with the story of this character being who's paralyzed, he's on a stretcher, and his friends bring him to Jesus. And it says, When Jesus saw their faithfulness, he said to the one who was paralyzed, don't worry, child, your deviations are dismissed. Mm-hmm. I This is one of the most memorable moments in a Jesus story for me because it, it played an important pivot point for me in recognizing how much the template for what the what Jesus was about that I was that I had received, which is Jesus is here to help us get to heaven when we die. How much oh boy. And, and, and we have to believe it. We have to believe him and have faith of a certain arcane manner, like we've talked about earlier this episode. Yep. So much of and, me wants to start arguing and like, I, oh I no, feel it. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh no, wait, okay, that's not what that's not yeah. what we're doing no, right now. The, yeah, don't yeah. don't lead our listeners astray. Yeah. Uh yeah. It and the what we need is our sins to be forgiven, and we get that through faith. And it's like, well, okay. But I heard this Rob Bell sermon where he points this out, that these guys bring their friends to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he, um, in, the, uh, in the received paradigm and template for what the hell this is all about, Jesus received, should... meaning the one that like has often been taught yeah, in, yeah, the in, one like in, the one in, I just sort in of churches, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, parodied a little. Yeah. The logic, the inner logic of that is Jesus sees the crippled dude's faith 
and says, while good for you, you're healed, brother. Instead, like because an individual's faith is what yeah. brings them to integration, healing and what that's, we call salvation. That's what we're used to. And in this story, he sees their faith and then looks over at him and is like, mm-hmm. bro, you're healed. Yeah. which is not how salvation is supposed to work. Right. So even, think- if, even if you're translating <laughs> pistis as faith instead of faithfulness. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. The, like the template does not click together all the data. There are certain parts where it, it, the data is explicitly in, uh, antagonistic to that template. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but so faith, faithfulness, like that's just a few extra letters what's the difference there and what's it broadly and what's the difference in this story? Yeah. Faithfulness, even in traditional translations, sometimes the word pistis is, is translated as faithful. So this is not something I'm making up just in case you're wondering. Um, But I think it needs to be leaned on in that direction much more frequently than other translators do, which I'm, I'm also not the only one to think that there's a whole, school of thought in that direction. NT Wright is a good mm-hmm. a good person to to read if you're curious about that way of thinking about things. Yeah, a lot of his thinking pivots around faithfulness. Yeah. Or pistis, yeah. So it's not about their perspective, I guess, mm-hmm. might be a way to think about it. It's not about what they're thinking, what's going on in their head, um, which is kind of where faith takes me or even trust to an extent takes me it's like what how they feel about the situation how they're oriented toward the situation and it's you know even if we're using trust like that's a good thing but this is much more about how they're living what they're doing in response to that which is clearly what's happening here they're doing something they're bringing their paralyzed friend and it doesn't talk about it in Matthew in in at least one of the other versions of the story they're like they dig through the roof and lower him down through the ceiling um this is pretty some ex- pretty extreme measures that they're going to to get this guy in front of jesus mm-hmm. because they trust that that will make a difference for their friend and that's what i i mentioned briefly earlier there's this reciprocity between trust and faithfulness that I think I think is there every time it comes up if when you trust you respond with faithfulness when you're faithful it's because you have enough trust to do so there both are always in view I think when you use the word pistis Um, but depending on the context one side of the other other of it is being emphasized and in this case, it's the response that's being emphasized. But they do something because they trust Jesus and he reaps the benefit. Not They're- only is he paralyzed and by the end of the story, he's getting up and walking, but his deviations are dismissed. Traditionally, his sins are forgiven because of their faithfulness, because of their trust. So he's brought out of the outer darkness, the utter darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's brought back into the community because of what they're doing for him. 
Yeah, they're faithful, not just to this idea that Jesus can make a difference, but they're faithful to their friend. Mm-hmm. And in Pauline epistles, you get a lot of pistis being used about Jesus's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. What Jesus does leads to good things for the rest of us. But that's not what I was talking about here. It's not about Jesus. It's about these friends. So it's, a, it's pretty weird. Like, it's not about the person. It's not about God or Jesus. It's about other people somehow. Like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that brings me to, well, actually, I'm just going to jump up to verse 10 with footnote E. Uh, notably, many tax collectors and deviators came to eat with Jesus and his students. We've talked in, I think in an earlier episode about mm-hmm. y- y- your general, like where sin, the word sin shows up in conventional translations. Mm-hmm. It can be a handful of different words in Greek. And that handful of different words are actually a handful yeah. of different metaphors. And so right. in this case, in, you're typically choosing um, to be a bit more literal here and say, well, the word is an archery term for missing the mark. Right. So we're going to so call them a deviation. Right. So you're, you're veering off course. You're deviating from the, the path. Yeah. 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 So if that's, if sin is a deviation, then a sinner is a deviator. What's wrong with the word sinner? Why is that a problematic thing that might gets between us and the text? These, these two chapters, chapters eight and nine are a really good place to clarify that. <laughs> oh, nobody in these two chapters is considered a deviator, a sinner because they've been behaving badly because they've been breaking rules. Not one. Every one of these people is a deviator because they're not considered ritually pure. They're not considered ceremonially clean for temple worship because they're either not Jewish or because they're not a man, or because they've got a a hemorrhage, or because they're paralyzed, because they've got, so it's medical conditions, or ethnic origin, or gender. So, uh, patriarchy, uh, ableism, uh, ableism, and Uh ethnocentrism. Yeah. Racism. Yep. Yeah. They don't meet the standard expectations and therefore they're excluded. And Jesus is saying, you know what? The ways that you don't meet the standard expectations for what it means to be a regular citizen, meaning you're not the majority, you're not the one with the most privilege, those don't matter. You can still be valuable to God. And I'm going to do my and part to bring valuable. you in. Yeah, you're valuable to me. Mm-hmm. The stone that the builder has rejected has become the cornerstone. That is every single example in these two chapters. So if anybody tells you that wokeness is antithetical to the gospel, tell them to read their effing Bible. Because <laughs> uh-huh. this, this is like story after story of like, oh, you've got some ism keeping you from like, keeping others from being safe, secure, and living a flourishing life. Mm-hmm. Jesus is like, F that. Yeah. 
Yeah. None of these have to do with behavior. Yeah. Jesus does care about behavior. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the ones that his behavior, he is most emphatically against are the people with privilege and power, keeping those without it out of the community. Hmm. And so sinner, I want to just make sure we give a minute here to say the problem with sinners as a word Mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's just this, this category. I, I inherited this notion that we're all by default, the truest, the truest word about us is that we are sinners. We are depraved. We are broken. We are flawed. It, I don't even want to have to say more than that because it's so icky. A problem with that, in addition to it being icky, is it has been clicked into, and this is, again, this is a pattern, where these words have become part of a formal, deep structure of reality. He's Mm -hmm. talking about people who deviated from what was acceptable for what they believed and were taught to be a safe society in their day. Like they didn't suspend their critical thinking and accept the right doctrinal statements. Yeah. Yeah. And it, this is not about we're all just fundamentally pieces of shit. Like that whole theology that gets oh, between man. us. And so we read this notably. That many sounds much more like Pharisees and Sadducees and chief priests than it does like Jesus. Yeah. Like, this is not a story about like notably many tax collectors and pieces of shit came to eat with Jesus and his students. It's like, no, notably many tax collectors and deviators. Like this is many tax collectors, people, women with hemorrhages, uh, different ethnicities, people who (laughs) are not Jewish people with who are paralyzed and had medical conditions. Those are the people that are being talked about here. Yeah. So this word deviators is better, even if it just because it's not sinners, because it's not this word of it's code for God thinks you're a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And this is not radical. Like it's clearly (laughs) in the text right here. Like it just happened that he healed the person who was paralyzed and the very next question is why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and deviators like this is not a difficult leap to make and then the jesus's response is to leave the party and go heal someone who had supposedly died and on the way he heals someone who has a hemorrhage like this is if you're paying attention to the context this is not a secret hmm the only reason this feels foreign is because people have very carefully, intentionally kept it hidden. Because in many ways, these personalities that we exclude and exile, they are the scapegoats. They are the ones upon whom we cast our culpability in the brokenness of this world. Um, They become the sacrifices. But in 13, which has footnotes, footnotes, F, G, and H, Jesus says that God desires loving faithfulness, not a sacrifice. Like we don't need any more sacrifices. Yep. That loving faithfulness word. 
Oof, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. So usually it's uh, I desire mercy, right? Most often, that's how yeah. it gets translated. Typical, yeah. typical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What what uh, like mercy is a great word. Like it doesn't have the trigger, yeah. the trigger and trauma of like sinners. Does doesn't it? Oh, well, maybe not quite of sinners. Uh, well, let's put it this way. I remember very distinctly my pastor. I don't know how old I was exactly. Probably junior high ish. Um, saying from the pulpit, defining mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. What a worse pair of definitions for these two central <laughs> words. I don't know what would be worse. Because um, that's clicked into that old template of you're a piece of shit. God wants you to be in a lot of pain. Yeah. Right. The assumption there is you deserve only bad things. God is. Oh, that hurts to hear that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much that happens in the church that reinforces that idea, both explicit teaching about the Bible and how we treat each other. Mm -hmm. Um, We treat each other really badly, but it's not when I treat someone badly, it's not my fault because i didn't treat them badly it's their fault because they deserved to be treated that way oh man that's just a recipe for constant abuse there's that is that is i don't know if that's strong enough of a word but it's at least abuse it's invoking the deepest meaning making system to harm yeah and in this story yeah, the core of it is, dude, I just want loving faithfulness. <laughs> I don't need all these dead bodies, man. Like yeah. barbecue is cool, but I don't need bodies. Yeah. I don't need yeah. dead ones anyway. Yeah, loving faithfulness, it's it's the the Greek word that's that if you look back in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, yeah. the Septuagint is what that's called. Um, it's translating the Hebrew word chesed which there could be many books written just on the meaning of chesed but and you've got to get the ch in there by the way it's chesed not chesed, chesed. yeah um like hala sure yeah and it, it, it it's been translated lots of different ways in different translations trying to figure out how we put into like one or two English words, all that's contained in this Hebrew word that we just don't have a good equivalent for. Mm-hmm. It's used most often of quality that God has towards humanity and God's people, but sometimes for humans towards God and sometimes for humans towards other humans. Um, but most often it's about God towards humanity. Hmm. Um translated sometimes as loving kindness uh my professors in my undergraduate really like one of them really liked um covenant faithfulness i've heard loyal love as a good option alliteration is uh awesome Uh yeah um but it has this sense of this committed action towards someone based in like this relationship of like i am for you you are my person and i am committed to like lifting you up 
helping you, being there for you, supporting you, meeting your need. Like there's this, so much this, that's packed into this one word. That's so <laughs> what God is pleased by when we give that to each other. That's so much better than not getting what you deserved. Yeah. You're a piece of shit and you should be flushed. Like that. Right. Yeah. Mercy. Like, oh yeah. I decided to like not be as pissed off today as I should be. It's a commitment to the shalomifying of another person to their, their full ho- homecoming and healing and flourishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That can be to a, another human. It can be to a place. It can be to the divine. It can be to a memory in a yeah. story or to art. Yeah. Yeah. It's this really tenacious. Like I want all the, all the good things and only the good things for you. And let's make that happen no matter what it takes. <laughs> like that's what's involved here. We have in uh, verse 20 with footnotes, I and J uh, there's this whole thing about hemorrhage and tassel and purity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you help us? Yeah. I mean, along the same lines of what we've been talking about already. Um, so the, the story is that there's a woman who has been suffering for 12 years from a continual uterine hemorrhage. So basically this woman has been on her period for 12 years, nonstop. That's a long freaking time. It's a lot of outer darkness. Yeah. And, and, even if you're taking all the Bible stuff out of view, like I, I haven't experienced it, but I imagine that this would not be a pleasant experience for her. And then if you add all the Hebrew Bible like regulations into it, oh yeah, she's supposed to be quarantining for this entire time. And, you know, and a week after it ends, <laughs> but it hasn't ever ended for the last 12 years. Until she breaks quarantine. Brandon, like, yeah, this is the perfect time to be doing this episode. Like, can you imagine just for like, not even fully quarantining, just like social distancing, wearing your mask, doing more things virtually, staying six feet apart, the life that we've been living for the last year and a half, except on full quarantine, like you have a positive COVID test for 12 straight years it's really hard to even comprehend what this is like. She's been so alone. So like living outside the city, living with people with other infectious diseases. It it sounds awful. Yeah. And she just thinks to herself, like, I know it's breaking the rules, but I know this guy I've heard stories about him and how amazing and powerful he is and the the kinds of incredible things that happen with him. If only I can touch his tassel, maybe things will turn around for me and I'll have a life again. And the tassel being the part of his cloak. If you go back again to Deuteronomy and Exodus and Torah, like you're supposed to wear tassels kind of like a WWJD bracelet. Like it's this, oh my this, God. this, 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 this like visual reminder of like, these are the commitments to God that I've made of how I want to live. Well, okay. Yep. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. The yeah. WWJD thing. Was a bit yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, there's a lot of weird baggage wrapped up in that, but the, the basic concept of like, there's this like symbol yeah. of the yeah. life that I want to live. Yeah. I'm, I'm, um, robing myself in the story Mm -hmm. like that's that's a lovely image yeah so she doesn't just touch 
anywhere, she touches specifically on his tassel, that symbol. And that gets lost in most translations. A lot of people do like the hem of his cloak or the edge of his cloak, but it's his tassel. So to an astute reader or someone who's Jewish, like mm-hmm. they would go, ah, I oh, know about I know the what tassel. That's about. Yep. Yeah. Um, Illusions. Yeah. And instead of what everyone is worried about, like, oh, if this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years touches me, I'll be ritually impure and like, and she probably deserves it anyway, because God is making that happen. Um, instead of that, Jesus is like incredible wholeness mm. passes to her instead. Mm-hmm. And she's healed. Like that is what Jesus is trying to get us to see for all of us. Like, we have contagious wholeness that we need to start sharing around. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's a reverse contamination. Yeah. Instead of making him unclean, he makes her clean. Mm-hmm. Even though she's breaking the rules to make it happen. Wholeness is contagious. Right. Cause her deviation was being sick, not her breaking the rules. Yeah. Oh man, part of me wants to end on that note, but there is one more interesting change. <laughs> such so good. Um, verse 21 of chapter nine with footnote K. Uh, yeah, it's part of the same story. Yeah, it is. Yeah, just read it here. Uh, if only I can get a hold of his cloak, I'll be made well. Now, usually mm-hmm. that's I'll be saved. Yep. Which is not wrong exactly uh, but there's a lot of baggage there it saved has weirdly become a, a religious technical term or um, going to heaven when you die or at having, least in this context yeah or like being like getting what you don't deserve uh-huh but in the big afterlife thing yeah yeah so really it can be rescued saved healed made well like these are all listed not making them up like in the dictionaries of Greek to English, like mm-hmm. you're not just importing yeah. your own preference for like saying F that right. old template and that, that old dumb story of Jesus mm-hmm. is here. So we can go to heaven and that's biasing your translation. You're just saying like, dude, well, there's a, something called a friggin' thesaurus. Right. Yeah. That's essentially it. But you know, my biases, my, how I understand things are certainly coming into play in which one of those I'm selecting. Yeah. Um, and that's inescapable. Every translator yeah, is doing yeah, that. Yeah, they're doing that too. They're not being neutral. They're they're committed. There's no to... such thing as a neutral translation. Preach. That does not exist. That, that really should be the subtitle of this show. Is like F neutrality. Yeah, it's a myth. Yeah, it, it's it's all about like I read this sentence a in the context, and it's like this seems self evident that it means this thing. And then yeah. I check and I check the, the, the resources that reference works books that I have. And I'm like, yep, that that's supported as one of the options. Of course it means that. Yeah. Um, so, and they're doing the same thing, but in a different direction. Yeah. Because if you rewind the tape on this, uh, this story, think through everything you just said about, man, she has been in frigging quarantine with a COVID mm-hmm. diagnosis here, like for 12 years, she's had her period and she's had been, had to be in the outer darkness. Mm -hmm. And she thinks, aha, 
I shall touch his cloak. And if only I can touch his cloak, I can go to heaven when I die. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Record scratch? Yeah. Like, How does that, that fit in anything that's been talked about up you, to this point? What are you talking about? Like, I hope so, but that's not, no, what? Uh, that would be I'll, nice, I guess, but there's been no talk about what happens after anybody dies at all in Matthew up to this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'll be made well is, oh, of course that's how that sentence ends. Of course. Yeah. Context matters. Yeah. And the context for this is we are out of time. That wraps it up. So we are both, as always, very thankful for your company as we work our way through Matthew together. We are glad you're with us on the journey. The easiest way to support Found in Translation is to leave us a rating or a review in your podcast player of choice. That makes it easier for more people to find the show. Now, the second best way to support this show is to become a sponsor for just five bucks a month. You can give more. That'd be great. But you only need five bucks to be able to have comment access on the translations Google Doc. So you can be interacting with other listeners and both of the Brandons. And you get the satisfaction of knowing that you are supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the show notes. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Found in Translation was produced by Perry FM on Chinook Land. Goodbye, Brandon. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.